0: The Beef and Dairy Network podcast is sponsored by Grazex, the latest grass replacement pellet from Mitchell's. If it's not Mitchell's, get back in the truck. Grazex contains zinc, amino acid 52, and selenium yeast, which is widely recognized for its effect on hoof integrity. For 10% off all orders over 15 tons, quote Beef and Dairy when you call or visit our secret headquarters. Hello and welcome to the Beef and Dairy Network podcast, the number one podcast for those involved or just interested in the production of beef animals and dairy herds. The Beef and Dairy Network podcast is the podcast companion to the Beef and Dairy Network website and printed magazine, brought to you by X. They've actually sent us a box of uh, x, and it's going down quite well in the office. It's quite tough to chew on, but once you warm it gently in milk and salt it slightly, it creates a really satisfying warm cornmeal, which can also be used as a cement to patch holes in a wall or fix a decorative lion to the top of a wall. Coming up in the show today, the beef forecast, the milk prices, and a big interview with scientist David Pinn. But first, an opportunity to win a space on a beef tenderness webinar next week with Christine Marriott. The webinar will feature tips on anti-mortem factors, post-mortem factors and preparation techniques that affect tenderness. And information about how tenderness techniques can be incorporated into your business. To be in with a chance to win one of five places on the webinar, please do us a drawing of the concept of tenderness and send it to beefanddairynetwork at gmail.com. Now it's time for the beef forecast. Strong beef in the south, beef of plenty in the north, coastal beef stationary and fine. And the milk prices, semi-skimmed is up four against skimmed with gold top topping out at a 1,000 yen. Yogurt and cream are pegged to the dinar and the creme fraiche is fresh. Now it's time for this week's big interview with Dr David Pinn. I started by asking David to introduce himself and his work. My name is Dr
1: David Pinn. I am the Head of the Extraterrestrial Fauna Unit at the European Space Agency, and I'm based here in Frankfurt.
0: Uh, can you just tell us about some of your latest work? I think it might interest some of our listeners. Uh, at the moment, we are trying to establish whether or not we
1: can prove the presence of microbial life on Mars. And what, is it, what is it that
0: you're actually looking for there?
1: um in, in the first instance, we've been looking to see if we can find areas on Mars where we believe microbes could live or have lived in the past, for example, looking for signs of water, ice, and so on but now we've uh, we've stepped that up again, and we're actually looking for the microbes themselves.
0: Have you ever seen a a hoof print on the surface of Mars? What do you mean um so you're looking for signs of these of this life, and I wondered whether maybe just in the the sand is it sandy? Kind of so, rocky
1: well it's, it's 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 rocky terrain there is uh th- there is desert um certainly it looks right like. so if
0: if if a hoofed animal had had walked across the desert you'd be able to see where the hoofs had had been impressed into the ground
1: right well they, I mean there's a couple of things i mean we're we're not, we're not looking for hoofed animals this is not a search for extraterrestrial so, ungulates so are you um, telling so me that
0: if you saw uh evidence of a hoofed animal you would just disregard it say i'm not interested in that
1: clearly if i saw a, an, an alpaca on mars i would let someone know but it, w- it wouldn't be my department uh obviously but uh, we, that's, that's don't not you what think
0: we'd... that's that's a kind of um an example of rather siloed thinking no,
1: no i think if, if there were hoofed animals on mars we would know about it by now let me tell you okay i mean we, we photographed well it doesn't sway- it
0: doesn't sound like you're looking for them
1: Okay. Well, we're not we. We aren't. We haven't seen any signs of of, of of anything resembling mammalian life or any of the larger multicellular organisms on on Mars. And I think we would have done by now. The limited atmosphere that there is on Mars suggests that's highly unlikely that that sort of life would exist. But what is possible uh, is microbial life, is singular-celled organisms.
0: What if um, a hoofed animal had just visited the planet?
1: Again, I mean, I argue it's possible that there are extraterrestrials somewhere in the universe that are hoofed. I don't. I think that's highly unlikely that, that intelligent life would evolve from a, from a hoofed animal. I don't know why they would visit Mars. And even if they were visiting Mars, they, they probably just wouldn't do it in their bare feet, would they? They'd probably have some sort of space boot over the top of their hoof. But, they, I mean, this is, not, this is not what we're doing here at the European Space Agency, not in my extraterrestrial fauna unit, we're not looking for hoof prints, okay? You can you can get a Marwell zoo to see a hoof print, or your, your local small holding.
0: Okay, well, I'm happy to move on if you are. Mm, yes, please. I, I think maybe, obviously, the impact of you finding life on Mars will be, will be huge, and obviously it would have quite a big impact on our culture. For example, I mean, is there a chance that when you find, or if you find this, this life on another planet, whether it could yield... Um, a fifth meat. A fifth meat? Yeah, so currently we have the four meats, beef, lamb, pork and chicken, but I wonder whether you could find a fifth meat on a different planet.
1: We're not looking for anything that big that would yield meat. We're looking for... If we find lots of microbes, you could probably make some sort of tofu out of them, but we're not looking for a fifth meat. That's not what this is. Okay. okay? I mean,
0: let's just say if it were theoretically possible that there were a fifth meat in the universe... How do you think that would affect the world of sources?
1: I don't think what, this, is not my, this is not what we're here for. This is not the remit of the European Space Agency to, 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 to ascertain new sources. Plenty of people are doing... What is this podcast? What is this podcast?
0: As you can hear, the interview was a humdinger, and so there'll be more from that interview later on in the podcast. Now, on the network this week, we've been struck by the responses to one of our articles on the website. In this month's main feature, Aaron Spaulding, a farmer from Essex, wrote movingly about getting attached to meat beasts. Here are just some of the responses we've received. Here's the first one. It's never a good idea to get too attached to your animals. Most years, I have a favourite who I name. The intention is that I will not slaughter this animal and keep it as a pet. However, the lure of money always gets the better of me, and the animal is killed and butchered thanks to Peter from Derbyshire for that. Mr. Renwick from Edinburgh says, 10 years ago I got attached to a meat animal. I called her Quinn, and I built her her own islands to live on. Thanks Mr. Renwick. Pete from Dorset says, I learned the dangers of becoming too close. I got too attached to my herd and when the day came to transport them in the wheat wagon, I spared all of their lives. As a result I was plunged into serious financial difficulty, and my wife left me. Then, because of the situation I was in, the sadness and the levels of stress I experienced, I later slaughtered all of the cows in frustration and revenge. Thanks, Pete. If you have any thoughts on the topic, please get in touch on our email, beefanddairynetwork at gmail.com. Now, it's time to go back to our big interview with Dr David Pinn. I asked him whether man would ever live on Mars.
1: Well, that's a very interesting question. Uh, and thank you for asking that it's something that is discussed of course it's usually in the remits of science fiction but that said were we to find evidence that simple life forms have been able to exist in the past on mars then we could be able to speculate further would it be possible to colonize mars starting with very simple Units, self-sufficient units, living in colonies a bit like space shuttles, eventually widening and broadening. Would we be able to develop agriculture on Mars? That's the big one. And that that goes to the very heart of this microbial question. Of course, if we were, it would be many hundreds of years away, but it's a very exciting thought.
0: Does anyone know how a cow reacts to a zero-G situation?
1: No. No, and I, I will tell you why we don't know, because it's a bloody waste of time. Has a cow ever been in space?
0: what has a cow ever been in space
1: well not not to my knowledge quite frankly no i'm I'm quite happy to say no i mean who knows what the soviets got up to in the in the late 70s it's perfectly possible they fired up all sorts of things up there they might have have fired up a cow might have fired up a a camel and an iguana for all i know i don't know i I know we've sent up monkeys and, and humans and that's it and when they're in zero g they float so i think we can assume that a cow would also float i could have I mean, it's got, I can imagine it's got four stomachs, so there might be a bit of a gas distribution equilibrium, so they might have more difficulties with ballast and floating. and, and
0: Maybe, maybe a, a, a sort of fizzy milk would, would be in evidence. I
1: no, it's not. Zero gravity is not the same as entering a soda stream.
0: In a way, wasn't the discovery of the Higgs boson particle a discovery of a fifth meat in the universe? No. So you, you can't eat a Higgs boson particle.
1: No, no, you can't eat a Higgs boson particle. Of course, you can't eat a Higgs boson. We don't. The, the scientific community is is is, is 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 divided as to whether or not it even exists the Higgs boson. So so no, you can't eat. We have to establish if it exists first, and then even if it did exist, we know that you wouldn't be able to eat it. Okay, or because if, it, I mean, it, it would maybe it would...
0: it would have a very subtle taste.
1: That's right, because it would have a very subtle... It would give you the squits. That's why the research being done on the Higgs boson is being done in the middle of nowhere, buried in in tunnels three miles underground, and you would have to wear special anti-squit suits. That's why.
0: I I don't think you're taking this seriously.
1: I am taking this... I've tried to take this you. have wasted my time, and I'm I'm off, quite frankly. I'm off. I've got a a barbecue with a bunch of cosmonauts, and, and good day.
0: A big thanks to Dr David Pinn for that wonderful interview. And uh, if you're listening, David, I know you're probably eating handfuls of microbes and dehydrated protein space juice, but I hope you enjoyed your barbecue. If you're after more beef and dairy news, get over to the website now where you can read all the usual stuff alongside some great features in our off-topic section, including a guide to the Brasseries of Manchester and some thoughts from TV evangelist Philip and John on the age-old problem of how to bury a witch. Until next time, beef out.